In today's episode of the Sixers Beat, Rich and I discuss Ben Simmons telling his teammates not to come out to Los Angeles to try to change his mind, that he is dead set on wanting off of the Sixers. We also discuss the changes at the top of the Minnesota Timberwolves basketball operations department and how that could impact the discussions with the 76ers on a Ben Simmons trade, and of course, Doc Rivers' comments on Morning Joe. If you're not already an Athletic subscriber, head on over to theathletic.com slash Sixersbeat to read the written work of Rich and myself. Enjoy the podcast. All right, welcome everybody. This is Derek Bodner, joined by Rich Hoffman on the Sixers Beat, part of the Athletics Podcast Network. So, a little bit has happened here in the week since we last spoke. Uh, you have Doc Rivers on a podcast media tour, uh, promoting his new podcast. Might say one or two things about the basketball club as well. You have Ben Simmons telling his teammates, don't bother coming out to LA to try to convince me to come back. Um, I am not changing my mind. And then you have a change at the top of the Minnesota Timberwolves organization, the team that is the most interested and has been the most consistent in their pursuit of Ben Simmons. First of all, Rich, how you doing? Second of all, where would you like to start? I'm doing good, Derek. Thank you for uh, returning my call to do this podcast. <laughs> I, I appreciate that. And thank you for, for participating in it as well. <laughs> I, I knew that that took a lot of you know, convincing from my end, but we're good here. Uh, just get us to December. We'll be, we'll be okay. <laughs> I think we have to start with, uh, I think with just Ben. I mean, the ben. I, I think, I think we're just the Ben. Oh, by the <laughs> Shout way, out the, the Fort, one, Ferk. yeah, yep. th there has been, I mean, this has just been a horrible off season for the Sixers. Let's just, the whole thing. Corkmaz almost made up for it single-handedly with He's that. He's so delightful. He is so that, delightful. That hype video was unbelievable. But yes, in the FERC parlance, we should start with the Ben because we have to talk about the Ben until he's not here anymore, which, you know. Which I think is not going to be, I think it's going to be a little while. I think that's going to uh -huh. be at least probably three more months, which, oh my God, when I say that, that's a lot of podcasts that are, look, I love my job. Love my job, wouldn't trade it for the world. I wouldn't mind talking about almost quite literally anything else in the world. <laughs> but uh, this is what is most important to Sixers fans. This is what is most important to the direction of the team. So we will talk about this. So the latest update, uh, like I sort of alluded to there, a report from our colleague Sham Sharania, the core leaders on the 76ers, such as Joel Embiid, Tobias Harris, and Matisse Leibel, and most of the team are set to take a jet to see Simmons before being turned away. Multiple sources said Simmons didn't want his teammates, some of whom he considers friends, which is an interesting phrasing, to make the Philadelphia to Los Angeles commute out of a courtesy because he won't change his mind on wanting a trade. Another section, Simmons has mentally checked out as a member of the 76ers. Sources said, meaning whether or not he ever appears in Philadelphia this season, the organization may never again receive the same dedicated player. That's the, that's the leverage play. Yep. I mean, it's interesting that the report is even acknowledging the possibility that he might play again for the team uh, because I think there is a little bit. Look, I think when we get into this and we will get into this um, from, I think, a couple different angles here. You know, I think when you get into it, there is you know, th there. This offseason is going in stages. 
And this right here is where Ben Simmons has a leverage to try to get this done quicker than later. And I think, you know, this is where it's going to become the most uncomfortable for the Sixers here between now and frankly, whenever he shows up, you know, I think tomorrow media day is, is it's going to be constant questions about this. I think that's why you're seeing his agency sort of ramp up the leaks and the reports uh, about stuff like this, because the next sort of leverage play is going to be Daryl Morey and, you know, finding him and having him sit out like that and miss paychecks at a rate that we've never really seen anyone in this league go through. And for as much as Ben Simmons might sit there and talk about, I'm never playing again, I'm never playing for the Sixers again, we just haven't seen it happen. So this is sort of like the leverage that Daryl Morey has to play like, hey, we're not trading you now, we're not trading you in a week, we're not trading you in a month. You're going to have to accept that reality. And I think right now Ben Simmons is probably hoping that that doesn't actually come to pass. So he's he's sort of applying the leverage now that he can. But Daryl's leverage is coming here in a couple of weeks and it will be uh it will be interesting to see how it plays out. Um but I expect I I I expect Ben to sit out all of training camp. I expect Daryl Morey not to trade him because I don't think the offers will get any better. And I think you and I are destined to have this podcast again and again and again and again. Yeah, and you know, starting tomorrow, we're going to start hearing from his teammates. And that's the, you know, throughout the offseason, it's basically just been Ben Simmons versus the Sixers organization. I think that's how Ben feels. Like, I don't I don't think this is mainly, I mean, although it's, that was an interesting phrasing that he's friends with some of his teammates. Yeah, but yeah. but I do think it's more of an, an organization, organizational and uh, I guess just the general environment that he's not feeling anymore. So so now you have other guys that, I mean, you're, you're letting down, you yeah, know, your, sure. your friends that, I mean, that, that their, their livelihood is going to be affected by this. I mean, D- Danny Green, I don't know. He, he has his own podcast with Harrison Sanford. He, he mentioned it, that, that he can't really get, he hasn't been able to get in touch with Ben and, he also acknowledged that hey, when this happens and we don't trade him, uh, I got to be the top defender now on the in the starting lineup. Yeah, we saw that play out. That didn't really work. I think he understands that that that's a little harder for him. Yeah. Like I don't think he's, yeah, I think he has. He's going into this with eyes wide open. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. It's just it's just a terrible situation. There's really there, there's no way around it. But now we have you know instead of the leaks, instead of the you know, the intrigue, will he or will he, won't he show up? Like, we, we know the answer. And the Sixers are going to start training camp tomorrow with a guy who makes $30 million not there and not going to, he's not going to be there for a while, I don't think. So, yeah. Yeah. And it, it is, it is a shame. I, I sort of went on a, a Twitter thread about this. And I think maybe it was tough to maybe express in, in, in Twitter. It's a shame that the, the league is sort of set up that a circus is almost built into the CBA. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is, so like when you're drafted, obviously you are drafted to a team. You don't get to negotiate that contract. That is rookie scale contract. You can thank Glenn Robinson for that. Um, but so you, you come in, you're drafted, you're told where to go. You have a slotted rookie scale contract. You play your four years there. You get an extension. But you even if you become a free agent, you're a restricted free agent. So you can't really determine where you want to play either. Um, you know, even if you go out and you say, all right, well, this team here has a coach whose system is, is better suited for me, whose teammates are better suited for me. Maybe they have a better chance of winning a championship. Maybe I just like the location better. Even if you sign a contract with them, you're the team that drafted you. You could say, 
eh, no, we're going to keep you. Uh, we're going to give you that exact same contract. You're playing for us. So now you're getting to the point where you're nine years into your career and you really haven't had a whole lot of agency in where you play. And this is sort of like the only real leverage players in the first nine to 10 years of their career have, especially max players, max players who you can't overpay, have in their career to really have a say in where they play. And I think, look, uh, and my goal here isn't to make you feel sympathetic towards Ben Simmons. He's being played very handsomely for his services. He is certainly a very flawed player. I'm not telling you not to be upset at Ben Simmons, because quite frankly, I think there's a decent chance that his lack of development and his refusal to accept what he needs to improve on might end up costing you as a fan a chance to compete for a championship in Joel Embiid's prime. I think there's plenty of reasons to be upset with Ben Simmons, and also just for the fact that he is spurning you as a, a, a city and an organization. Like, I'm not trying to drum up support and sympathy for Ben Simmons specifically. But I do think that when you get to a point where a player is at the point where he says, all right, look, I need a new situation. The NBA, because of their rules, and, and the rules we're talking about, like restricted free agency, um, being able to match salaries in restricted free agency, uh, a cap on max salaries, the super max contracts like the one Joel Embiid just signed. They put so much in place to prevent superstars or make it tough for superstars to leave because they want teams to have a chance to build around them that there's trickle effects on that. And this is one of those where in order for any kind of player, especially a sub, maybe a sub superstar, but still max worthy player to have any kind of real agency in where they play, they almost have to come out and act like a fool. Like it's almost baked in because Sixers, I mean, look, Ben Simmons requested a trade back in June. He didn't really start acting up here. His agency didn't really start trying to put pressure on them until August. They gave them a month and a half, two months to try to be like, Hey buddy, we'd really like a trade. Uh, and Daryl Morey just didn't find one that he liked and he's still there. In order to really apply pressure, you really do have to sort of like act like a fool. And there's a lot of reasons why Ben isn't sympathetic, I think, for this situation. In part because he didn't develop and he did just collapse in a playoff series that he should have dominated. And that lack of development should frustrate the ever-living shit out of you. It really should, 100%. Also, he just signed a contract and he has four years left. Nobody's ever really tried to work their way off a team with four years left on their contract like this. It's all unprecedented. But my overall point isn't isn't so much about Ben specifically and isn't so much about you should feel sympath sympathy towards Ben. Although I do think we do treat athletes almost like, you know, like they're not human beings at times, like they're just there to entertain you. Uh, I do at some point get, um, you know, they might have feelings or desires that aren't just overshadowed with gobs of money. But even if you don't feel sympathy towards Ben, I do think that you can look at the CBA and the rules that are in place and explain some of the actions and explain why, you know, when you and I were talking about this in December and January of last year, we said, well, you know, if, if this hardened deal doesn't go through, this could get ugly pretty quickly and exp explain why, well, now that you're at a point where there is a divorce coming, it's going to be ugly. That's very heavily influenced by a collective argument. And again, I don't mean to say you should be sympathetic towards Ben or it's not his fault. It's just, I wish it didn't, the league rules didn't make this where it almost has to be ugly. But it is ugly. It is. And, and it will probably get uglier. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. It just, I, it's why I hate talking about it almost. It's like, I almost think like, you know, he, he's very dug in to his side. And I, I do, like you made some good points there about the, the lack of, you know, ability to pick and choose a team and, you know. It just the other thing that's tough here is that he signed a contract like he was in a good situation just last year, and it just yeah. goes to show 
you know, with the way the NBA is set up now, like almost like a four-year contract, there's way too much stuff that happens quickly in this league. Like situations snowball so much faster than they used to, I feel like. And whether that's social media or just, I don't know, the constant attention. I don't, I don't know what the answer is to it, but uh, yeah, it's, it's like signing a five-year contract is, it's almost, it's, it's almost meaningless now because, you know, a lot of guys you see, they, they sign that contract and they feel like, all right, if it comes to it, I'll just force my way out. Yeah. And, and look, I don't even necessarily know what the fix is because I, I could sit here and list off all of the, you know, I'm, I'm, I feel like this is what we do now in 2021. We list problems with things, not solutions. I don't really know what the solution is because every lever I could pull with the CBA creates a whole new dynamic that has really bad consequences. And, you know, I think the Ben Simmons situation, the, the envelope has never been pushed as much as Ben is pushing it in part because look, if Ben gets traded this off season, he has no chance at a supermax when his contract's up. Like he's giving up by saying, I'm so sick of this franchise. I want out. He's giving up 40, $50 million or whatever it ends up being. Not only that, He's also threatening, and we don't know if he'll follow through with the threats. He's threatening to give up paychecks here yeah. in fines. Very few players are going to be in a situation where they feel that compelled to get out that they're going to be willing to do that. I don't think this is something that's going to happen where you have four years left on a contract and players are going to be constantly trying to get out of those contracts, or not out of those contracts, but be traded away. I think this is sort of edge case. But I do think that envelope, you know, we saw it with with uh, James Harden where he had, what, a year and a half left on his contract. I think that envelope could continue to get pushed I just think this is a little bit of an edge case because most people aren't going to want to give up, you know, that that chance at a supermax uh, that Ben is giving up by doing this. They're not going to want to go through the fines, and we don't know if Ben's actually going to go through the fines that he could see from the Sixers. We know he's threatening or he's promising that he's willing to, but it'll be fascinating to see how this plays out because I do think this is one thing where you could, you know, the next collective bargaining agreement, if this and maybe what happens with Zion becomes a little bit too tough for the league to, to take, uh, you could see a reaction from there, I think. It's, it's certainly within the realm of possibility. Yeah, I think Adam Silver is going to be looking at this situation very closely to to monitor how this is going to happen uh, in the future, you know? it's. I, I, think, I, I do think people cling a little bit too much, like, well, he has a contract, so he should like he should be happy and play in Philly. Like, you know, Daryl Morey can, and Daryl Morey didn't sign Ben to the extension, but like a team can sign a player to an extension and trade them within a year. Uh, like the contract to me is a, li- a lot more about like, this is what a player will be paid for these years. There's always been agency within the team to be able to trade those players and move on. Uh, there hasn't been that kind of agency for the players. And I think we're just so ingrained that, um, you know, we look at things, we as in fans and, and media as well, look at things as, as from a team building perspective and a civic sort of like community perspective you know, we as fans root for the name on the front of the jerseys, not the back. And I think the NBA sort of banks on that. But I do think they that the levers they put in place to prevent superstar movement have an impact. I do. The uh, going on to the court a little bit, though, the the idea of a checked out Ben Simmons, to me, that is the worst case scenario yeah. for the Sixers, the team, because one, it would just be a massive distraction. And a checked out Ben Simmons is basically just a bad basketball player. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, if he's not playing defense and giving effort, he's yeah. So it's like we said on the last pod, it, it's almost like him not showing up. You know, he can continue to threaten to not play, and and it's still this very ugly situation for the Sixers, and not not helpful to their chances to at least get a high seed in the regular season. But it's almost better because I mean, it, I, I can't even imagine 
now now that he is so dug in, the idea of him playing a game seems in, in Philly seems crazy. You know, and you hear all these reports. I think Windhorst had something that he mentioned that the fans and yeah. th- that's part of Ben's thinking right now. And I I mean, whenever he comes back to play a game here, if he does, maybe maybe he sits out when he gets traded for another team, but that's going to be one of the ugliest receptions going. And it's, you know, I think it would pretty much be the same case whether he's wearing a Sixers uniform or not, too. Yeah, I mean, it's it's like you said in the last podcast, fans weren't the problem before, but they're certainly not going to be a solution now, nor nor should they be. I mean, look, and and I, I went back and I sort of like tried to explain why the CBA influences why this is a circus. I don't necessarily expect you as a fan to care. Like, I'm, I'm sort yeah. of like trying to give you a little bit of background information on why this is sort of necessary if Ben is at the point or any player is at the point where they feel like they need a fresh start. I don't expect like the same way a GM might have the agency to trade a player that he thinks isn't performing. But if you don't agree with that player, you should certainly hold it against the GM for making what you consider to be a bad trade. Well, if Ben Simmons doesn't want to be in Philly and if he's going to end up, you know, really putting the team behind the eight ball in terms of the, the trade negotiations, you should be pissed off at him. That's a hundred percent fine. Uh, and, and when he comes back, it's going to be uh, madness. Madness, for sure. For sure. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's, you know, the idea of him not even communicating with his teammates. Like, he he definitely does not plan to play another game here. No. I just, yeah. I just wonder, that, you know. That, all- that, honestly, so, like, I, I, I think some people t- listen to what I just said and think I'm defending Ben. I'm really not. I'm really just trying to explain to CBA. But that does arc me a little bit. Like, Respond to your teammates. You can you can talk to Joel Embiid and 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 still be like, look, I love you, bro, but um, I went elsewhere. It's like you can do that. You can do that. You can certainly manage that relationship better. Yeah, and I mean it. It just seems like he's checked out. But I, I guess like my overall reaction to these stories, and that's I mean that's fascinating to me. Like the the human dynamics of, you know, the the teammates wanting to get him back on the team. You know, guys he's friendly with, trying to bring him back into this terrible situation that. Frankly, nobody else in Philadelphia really wants to see. It's just, it's very interesting. I mean, it's, and all of these updates, I'm sure we're going to continue to get more and more as this goes along, but it, it just goes down to the the fundamental part of this is that he just doesn't want to be in Philadelphia. And and by the way, Ben, I got, I got some bad news for you. You're going to get the new team and maybe, maybe there might be a little bit of a honeymoon period. Eventually they're going to, you know, hope that you take a jump shot too. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. I- I mean, that's you can't that's you much, can't escape the jumper your whole life, Ben. It's not going to work. That's a much longer conversation because I, you know, I'm trying not to completely dig in because I I do think he is more in the wrong here, obviously, than the Sixers are. I know it's a little bit of an awkward situation, um, and, and there are some things that the Sixers have screwed up as well. Uh, the the idea that he's like running away from conflict at this level, like man, they they play on TV and all the other twenty nine <laughs> NBA markets. It's so weird, like, right? Because I think so. Like I've, I've always said, I think Ben has a pretty strong fear of failure with the jumper, and that's why he's won't step out of his comfort zone. Most people who have that sort of that that strong of a fear of failure just don't. They're, they like it, it inhibits them before they get to this point. Ben is so physically gifted and is so good in other aspects of the game. He was able to come on top 30 player in the NBA, at least regular season player in the NBA, before this really became an issue. And it's just so weird that he's able to do so many things at that high level because most people that are that scared of failure just don't get it. It inhibits them well before this point. 
I just don't understand like the the idea that you know you go to another market and then there's going to be no pressure on you. Yeah. You know the, the other teams in the NBA at some point like they want to win and they want to win playoff games. <laughs> like every every fan base, every franchise has those similar aspirations, which is why. I get pissed off when everybody's like, oh, Philly is horrible. It's all the fans' fault. Come no, on, Philly. man. This is you. Philly this Philly was, was and look, like I said in the last one, I think there are some people that never warmed up to Ben. I think part of that is that he comes off as aloof. I think part of that is because Philly, for as much as we talk about defense, we really want that superstar caliber player. And I think a lot of people looked at him as not being able to achieve his upside, which I think is quite frankly fair. Uh, so I think there's there's a portion that never opened up. But I think by and large, especially his first couple of years, but even up, even this last year, I think they were very, very, very supportive. Like any, well, I, I get if he's sitting there going like, I don't think Philly will ever accept me now. I can sort of see that because quite frankly, I think if he has that fear, he's probably right. I don't think they're ever going to accept him back with open arms. But up until this point, I don't think there's any reasonable argument that Philly and the fans and the city is at fault whatsoever here. Like none at all. None at all. And, and- when he does move on to a new team, man, he is so out of his excuses, it's unbelievable. And if, you know, he doesn't perform to the level that he should and, and his, you know, his gifts on the basketball court, like, should get him to a certain point if he's continuing to fall short of that, man, I mean, he's not I, – I think his next few years are fascinating just because – Oh, I, yeah. I, I don't really know what's going on in between his ears right now. You'll notice uh, in the, the most recent Chris Johnson highlight video that they posted – None of those jumpers, he didn't he didn't show two in a row. Not a single one. We'll see if it's any better. I have my doubts. I have my doubts. Won't say it in Philly, I don't think. At least not not for I honestly I don't know. If you had to guess, yes or no, will he ever play a game in Philly? No. I don't know. Because I think Daryl's I think Daryl's gonna hold hold the line here and try to keep him until at least December. And I've just never seen a player hold out that long. It'll it'll be fascinating. It really will. Really I mean, the fines are going to be fascinating. Like, yeah, I, what, what I'm saying is, I think he's going to hold out until December. Okay. And Good. I don't Good know. Thing. Is that? I I, honestly, I go back and forth on it pretty much every other day. As you all know by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using the BetMGM lines to make all our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use the bonus code TA Basketball and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,000 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code TABASKETBALL. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game. Claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. 21 plus to wager. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Nevada, New York, and Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Colorado, D.C., Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Maryland, Massachusetts, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. Call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-522-4700 in Kansas and Nevada. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. In partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. In Ontario, if you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone else close to you, please contact Connects Ontario at one 866 2600 to speak to an advisor free of charge sports betting is void in georgia hawaii and utah and other states where prohibited promotional offers not available in nevada and new york don't forget 
If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use the bonus code TABASKETBALL and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,000 first bet offer on your first wager. All right, so do you want to to, to pivot here to Doc? Yeah, let's do Doc next because I think this is the... This might be the shortest conversation of the the three subjects today. Yeah. All right. So Doc Rivers has been on a little bit of a media tour. A little bit of a media tour. Pretty pretty substantial media tour. He does more podcasts now than I do. So he was originally on First Take, and he said, uh, pretty much reiterated, I don't have the direct quote in front of me. Actually, I have it somewhere in one of my 13,000 tabs. One second. Uh, so he's on with Stephen A. Smith on First Take. Uh, they asked him about his comments. And he says, I want to correct that. Um, I would love you guys to play what I said because I've told you this before. I never said what was reported. The question was asked about Ben. It was the first question after we lost game seven. My answer was, I'm not answering any of that stuff right now. I don't even know how to answer that. Not really what he said. uh, What he said after game seven, which as Kyle Newbeck of Philly Voice pointed out, wasn't the first question. Um, but David Murphy asked him, do you think Ben Simmons can still be a point guard for a championship team like the one you guys want to become? Rivers said, I don't know that question or I don't know the answer to that question. You know, so I don't know the answer to that. Uh, so he basically went on first take, sort of did the whole fake news spiel, uh, which look, quite frankly, I think he, I don't think that was the right tact because it's just so easily disproven. L.A. has, you know, 5G access. Ben Simmons has. <laughs> access to the internet. Uh, so I don't think it's, I think I'm it's sure too that, easy. I'm sure that whole press conference is on YouTube. If you I'm watch pretty it. sure it's on YouTube. Uh, so I, I think Ben could, Oh, maybe, maybe he was misquoted, goes back, looks at it. Nope. I'm, he had it right the first time. Uh, so I don't think that's going to be very effective, but I understand why he's <laughs> going to do that. It's very easy to try to make the media, the bad guys. Uh, it's a lot easier to deal with that than it is to have your star player, not show up to camp. I just think it was going to be futile. I think probably the better way for doc to go about that was look, I was in the heat of the moment. I sort of just blanked and I said something I shouldn't have. It didn't come out right. My intention was to say that I don't want to answer that question, but it came out wrong. Sorry, Ben. Hugs and kisses. Like, I think that's probably a better way to do that than just be like, man, this fucking media guys are just the worst. Um, Just because I, I look, I'll be told I'm the worst at times. It happens. I'm okay with that. It's just too easy for Ben Simmons to uh, disprove that claim. And that's the only reason he would BS in that you know, that level, you know, he's, he's talking, like you said, to an audience of one, you know, he doesn't really care that we can tweet out. No, actually doc, you, you did, you did kind of say that, like it's, it was a very brief answer to, and by the way, I, I don't, you know, I'm not going to kill him too much. Like I, I get it. He was frustrated. That was a horrible loss. And I'm sure it really sucks to have to answer questions, you know, five, 10 minutes after the game. Doc, you you get paid a shit ton of money though, so like that's part of the gig, as you know. Um, yeah, I mean it was just a bad, it was a bad answer, and I think that was frankly a worse answer than Joel's. Uh, you know, when you talk about you know the the context of like play the in, entire answer. Well, Doc, that's what it was, and you said you didn't know if he's a championship point guard, which it's true. Like it's yeah, true, I but I I do think either. it was a mistake to say it. Like but it was the coach mistake. should not say that publicly. But it was a mistake. So yeah. I don't know. And it's it does go to show, too, the as much as we are, there were so many people who tried to argue with us for years about Brett Brown. This is like the limits of coaching, man. Like, you know, you've Doc Rivers, 
who technically has the respect of every player in the NBA because he's been a coach for forever and he's coached a lot of big personalities. Is he handling this great? No, right? No, like, no I don't think so at all. And like some no. people will be like, well, he, he coddled Ben for so long and that didn't work. Well, I think these are sort of two different things. It's one thing to say, like, try to put pressure on him publicly to try to get him to expand his game, which I don't know if it would have worked or not. But like, I think there's an argument that you can at least, uh, you know, discuss that tactic. Well, saying your point guard might not be able to be a championship caliber point guard. There's really no benefit to that. Like, that's not that's not not coddling him anymore. It's just a a mistake. And, And quite frankly, the clip I'm about to play here next is another mistake that I don't think falls into the coddle versus not coddle uh, realm. I think it's just a flat out mistake. So he then went on. But, but it just, I'm just saying like, it just goes to show. It's not like you have like an NBA 2K rating where doc is a 99 with dealing with the locker room. Like every situation is different. Every situation take needs a, a different touch and you to get it right. And it just goes to show like doc who has handled strong locker rooms before. has probably had some, some misses as well. Like, well it just goes to show. No, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, it just goes to show like sometimes he's the right coach for the team and sometimes he's maybe the wrong coach for the team. And I'm not, I'm not saying that that's the case here. I actually think this was somewhat unavoidable with the way Ben was developing uh, in his career, but it just goes to show the limit. Like he's just, just a coach, man. It's yeah. I, coach. Well, I certainly don't think there's anything Doc could have said that could have uh, made Philadelphia change its opinion on Ben Simmons. But I also like Doc's comments were a factor in Ben's current stance with the team. I think the bigger factor is probably the trade rumors in January. I mean, you and I spent a lot of time in December and January saying like, yeah, you got to pursue James Harden, but if this blows up, you could have a, 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 a pretty pissed off all-star caliber player. And it took and a while. It, it, well, it, it, I think we got distracted by the end of the season. And I think Ben didn't make it an issue after that happened. Uh, and then, you know, we got distracted by how shitty he was in the playoffs and it was sort of like, oh, yeah, by the way, they did try to trade him. And like all star caliber players typically don't react all that well to it. They're all frankly not put in that position all that often. Usually it's either the star wants out like Ben currently does. And that's why there's trade rumors or the trade is completed. Having that be so publicly out there and then not happen. It was it was a situation right for at least some hurt feelings and possibly a, a relationship that was strained. I guess. And I think that's why, you know, you had Daryl Morey just blatantly lie to Sham Sharania afterwards. We would never trade Ben like Ben's a, a core part of it. He's doing that because he knows that that's a situation that could end up exploding on him because you you just you, there's a risk when you try to trade these guys. And I think that's why Doc Rivers, quite frankly, blew smoke up her ass for as long as he did, because there's a, a little bit of a bridge that has to be mended after that happens. And I think this is. Yeah, I, I, but I. I I don't even know where I was going, but I think my bigger point was that the trade rumors probably have a bigger impact than Doc's comments, but I don't think Doc's comments at the end of the season are inconsequential either. Yeah. All right. So now he's on Morning Joe as part of his media tour for his podcast. Really only asked one basketball question during that appearance, and here it is. Podcast just looks fantastic. They're so well done. John Meacham's was was wonderful, and I'm sure yours will be too, especially with you at the at the helm. Got to ask you before you go, though. You know I'm a hoops guy. Ben Simmons says he wants out of Philly. Have you talked to him? Are you going to convince him to stay? Well, I'm going to try. I mean, there's times that I think uh, we're getting through, 
And then there's times that I think uh, that I'm talking to people who still believe Trump won the election. So uh, <laughs> I'm not sure, but I'm going to keep trying. Let me say that. I mean, what are you doing, Doc? Like, what do you what, what was your goal here? Like I this one, I, like I, I heard it and like legitimately and I tweeted this. I was slack jawed. Like I was completely stunned. <sighs> Look. Does this matter to Ben Simmons? At this point, probably not. You're probably at the stage where Simmons is already strong in his position. He's not going to change. He's certainly not coming to camp, at least the start of camp. Probably not camp at all. Very well may hold out until he's traded. Um, I don't think that's going to have a big impact on whether you can get him back on the court for the Sixers. Maybe a little bit, you know, because I I think the biggest um, cudgel the Sixers have to weld is the fines. So maybe if he's getting sick of the fines, this could add just a little bit of weight onto the situation. But it's it's pretty minor. But my biggest issue, first of all, other players, other agents will see that. And anytime your coach is acting, quite frankly, unprofessionally and making jokes at players or agents' expense, like other players and other agents will see that. And will wonder like, hey, if we ever get into a contract dispute or a playing time dispute or a any rotation dispute or any kind of dispute, like, are you going to go on a national talk show and, and make a joke like that? Like players and agents probably don't love that. Again, probably not major. It's not a huge deal. I don't want to misrepresent it, but my issue is it's just like, so you have these minor impacts from that comment and that joke for no gain for no gain whatsoever. Like all you all doc got out of that is a couple of laughs and maybe a podcast subscription or two. And it's just for a player or a coach who is a player's coach and has been doing this for so gosh darn long. Like, enough with the one-liners, Doc. Like, they're not helpful. Well, what are you doing? What are you doing? It's funny, too, because he, I would say 80 to 90% of his public appearances, whether that's a press conference or whatever, it, you know, it's certainly how we interact with them for the most of it, he, he's keenly aware of the PR aspect and building players up and, you know, all he those spent things. all year kissing his ass. Yeah. And then he does, but he does let up once in a while and say some, say some shit. And that's, uh, yeah, no, that it just, it's not a helpful comment. I'll, it's, I'll it's just, give you that. it's just stunning because like, there was no, there's no gain to it. Like, it's not like, it's not like other teams or other players are like, oh, well, Doc's holding his feet to the fire. Like, no, Doc's getting a cheap laugh from a national talk show host. What are you doing? Well, the other thing, too, is we're so close to being able to talk about other stuff. I mean, look, the the Simmons thing is going to hang over the entire season, but you're so close to that's like the only thing we can talk about is the best. Right. There will be more. Yeah. Like you actually coach a basketball team and not to say that we're not going to ask him a lot about Ben because we are. but yeah, you're so close. You, you made it so far. You're, you're three days was, away. It was the end of the interview. It was the only basketball question they asked. The, I mean, the, the TV show wanted to go to the next break. They're not going to ask you four follow-up questions if you don't give a good answer. Like, just fucking BS it and move on with life. You don't need to land that cheap zinger. It was stunning. It was stunning. And again, hey, he was on not- the, He was on a political talk show. He's got to make a, it's got to make a political joke. I just, I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. Uh, but again, I don't want to say like, this is a huge deal that it's going to impact, have too much of a long-term impact. It's just why it, minimal loss for no gain, no gain and, whatsoever. You got to look at, 
look at the calendar. There's nothing going on in the NBA. Right. So when you do something at this stage of the game, that's not only going to be picked up locally, that's going to be picked up nationally. Yep. And it was for, uh, for no reason. All right. So I, I think, um, you know, obviously Matisse was on JJ's podcast. I thought he handled JJ's question about Ben and the criticism he was getting pretty well. I, I have that clip here. Basically, Matisse was like, hey, I made a worse mistake and nobody's really getting on me for it. Which No, you, did, you didn't make a worse mistake, but, even, it, even but it is true. Did like the Ben's situation is about five years of development. Yep. It's about the entire series, not just the one pass. The one pass was just sort of like the shit cherry on top. Uh, and, and, and we just expect way more out of Ben because yeah. you have so much riding on him being the player that he needs to be for the team to get to a championship level, and he hasn't been there. That's why Ben is getting all this attention, not just because uh, of, of equivalences in the impact of the plays. I mean, Matisse is right. That was a horrible foul killer in that spot of the game, but that's also him doing his job for the team, you know, like yeah. he's, his role is to make shit happen on defense. And that's, you're right, because the expectations are much lower for him. You're right that you do tend to forget that pretty quickly. He is, it, I was listening to him. I remember about, when we were there though, it was a big, like what the fuck just happened moment. Like it was a huge play for sure. For well, sure. Yeah. Just be, just because the other one had happened five minutes before <laughs> right, too, right. you know, it was just like, Oh man, I, I maybe I'm numb, numb to this now. It's uh, <laughs> yeah, no, it, it's true. But the other thing I was thinking, listening to him talk to Reddick, I was like, man, it must be pretty nice to be Matisse at this point. Like he, he could do no wrong. I think with this fan base, just because I think, the expectations for him are so much lower. And that's, yeah. I think that's what Ben Simmons would rather be, but he, he gets paid. He gets paid like he's more, and he's frankly too talented to be, you know, a role player. So the, the talent and the expectations uh, will, will man, look maybe with the next team. No, You're, there's going to be a lot expected of you, Ben. I'm sorry. Uh, Charles Bassey signed. One year guarantee, second partial guarantee in the second year. Uh, as we reported in the last podcast, the second point was the guarantee amount in the second year. Bassey was looking for the two year guarantee. Sixers were offering a one year guarantee. They sort of met in the middle. I think that is probably good for both sides. It's not what Bassey was looking for. It's not the the guarantee amount that Bassey would have had if he went draft undrafted. But it is a good guarantee for a player drafted in the fifties. So I think that is a um, you know, and I think Doc will. In, I think. Look, we talked about Bebo Paul. I think Doc would like to have another option there alongside Bebo Paul as a young player that he can uh, he can watch grow. So good on that. I don't really have anything more to add to that. Neither do I. All right. So last segment here is on the Minnesota Timberwolves, which you haven't switched podcasts. This is still a Sixers podcast, but if you've been living under a rock, these Timberwolves have been the team most interested in Ben Simmons, or at least most consistently interested in Ben Simmons. They ended up firing president of basketball operations, Gerson Rosas, last week. Uh, Rosas obviously came from the Houston Rockets, where he spent 16 years in Houston. There was a brief little stint where he went and was a GM for a couple of months with another team, but he ended up coming back to Houston. So basically 16 years in Houston, a lot of that under Daryl Morey. So Rosas fired for a number of reasons, uh, including an inappropriate relationship with a subordinate, uh, but also there was just a toxic work environment. You can go to theathletic.com slash Timberwolves, read John Krasinski's article there, uh, which really detailed what was going on as Rich knocks his microphone off the desk. 
Sometimes when you're just sitting in the same spot and you just you go to stretch for a second and yeah, getting old, man. My legs not working as good. Um, but go 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 to the athletic. Uh, John really got into depth into the dysfunction there with Minnesota and the 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 workplace. But former Sixers executive vice president of basketball operations, Sachin Gupta, is now running basketball operations in Minnesota. He does not have the interim tag but they are looking for a search for a permanent Sachin is apparently one of in the running for that. The search hasn't really started yet, but the reports are that Sachin Gupta will have, um, control to, to make wide scale basketball changes. So how much do you think this is going to impact the Sixers and trading Ben Simmons to potentially, uh, Minnesota? And I guess just what do you make of this as it relates to the Sixers? Um, because again, I don't want to get too deep into what was going on there in Minnesota. Uh, go read our Minnesota writer who does a great job covering that. But how does that impact the the Sixers? From what you read, you know, the, the tea leaf reading out there in Minnesota, a lot of people think that's not going to change the Simmons chase at all. I think it's just going to be, you know, a new person running the team. And it seems like, I mean, I have thought, since this started that Minnesota probably is the team that is most could most benefit from Simmons because again, it's like we talked about earlier with the the expectations. They're trying to just get into the playoffs right now. They're trying to just become a good team before becoming a great team. And obviously I I can't really think of an NBA player who's a better fit with Ben Simmons than Carl Anthony Towns. Cat can shoot. 12 threes a game if he wants. He's really just an unbelievably talented offensive player. And where where Joe kind of does it a little bit, he has the skill level and he also has the I'm just bigger than everybody. Cat uh, is, he's just so, he's unbelievably skilled. And I, I actually thought, you know, even though Embiid has gotten the better of him a lot when uh, when the Sixers play the Timberwolves, you, you still see that Cat is a really hard guard for Joel. Like he, he drags him out to the three point line, can take him off the balance, all of those things. So I, I understand from their perspective. They're, Do you they're think Joe horrible... would Joe would defend Ben in that matchup? Oh yeah, that would be. I'd love to see that. I think wherever Ben goes, Joe is gonna yeah. defend him, and he's gonna play him like he played. I mean, honestly, I think it's gonna be worse. It's like worse than Siakam. He's going to stand under the basket and say. Take a running start at me. You're not scoring on me. Yeah. No, you're not doing anything. Uh, that's for another day, though. When when we when we see that that matchup happen, uh, no. But I understand it from a basketball perspective. The Timberwolves makes a lot of sense. They also, like we've said, have nothing good to offer the Sixers. Like nothing good. Even you know they say like Anthony Edwards off the table, and I I get that from their perspective. He's a this is promising like, young player. This isn't like Tyrese Halliburton is off the table. Like you would you would get. Anthony Edwards being off the table. I agree with that. I agree with that. I get that. Anthony Edwards has very little value to the Sixers, in my opinion. Right now, he's not ready to help you win actual basketball games. No, his value would be to trade in a couple months. Yep. Which would okay. be would be tough because I think he has enough upside where like you could really regret that trade. But yeah. he would that like that would be you're right. I don't see him helping the Sixers this year, next year, probably. Like he's got a lot to learn how to be an effective star level player. I think he's got a lot of talent and I think yeah. he started to really turn it on there in the end of the season, but it would be very risky to count on him developing at an edge case level where he could help you like in a couple of months. And I, I like Anthony Edwards. I want to make that clear too. So from a, you know, a, a style 
fit standpoint, I think Ben on that team makes a lot of sense. They also suck at defense too. So like adding maybe the best perimeter defender in the NBA, that's probably pretty helpful. And, you know, putting Ben on a team that has a lot of like skilled offensive operators, maybe you can work him off the ball a little more, although we know that that's like a little easier said than done. But but it does make more sense than uh than a lot of teams in the NBA, frankly, from a from a timeline and, and a fit standpoint. So it still seems like they're they're pretty interested in him. I it just it, it gets down to can they find a three team trade that, that works because I don't think the Sixers really want their picks and young players. I think they want the star right away. And that's uh they, they do not have that to offer them. The other thing too is, I mean, like their other great players, Cat, and it's like, oh, they've Embiid, so you know, we don't have to discuss that. Yeah. Like, like, no, I I think they make sense. I think the the problem. And look, I don't I don't know personally what Sachin how he ve- evaluates Ben Simmons and his fit and his impact and his worth. Um, you know, Sachin com- certainly comes from the and and I like I've gotten to know Sachin a little bit. I like him quite a bit. I'm glad he has this opportunity, and I hope he uh, makes most of it and gets a chance to to be there permanently, but he comes from the hinky school where like those kind of nitty gritty details, about how he evaluates players, he's very guarded with that. So I don't know if he uh, evaluates him more or less than Rosas did. I don't know sort of like how much that, that uh, mandate coming down to improve that team immediately uh, is, is still in play or whether or not they might have a little bit of a longer leash now, because there is going to be a little bit of instability. I would guess not. I would guess they are still heavily uh, pushing a quick improvement. And I think Ben can help them do that. I think the biggest problem between the Sixers and Timberwolves as trade partners still remains. It's not Minnesota's interest. It is what Minnesota has to offer and it is the struggles to get a third team, which is why I think Sachin, Gerson, probably doesn't matter. You're still probably looking at trying to get to December when you can more easily loop that third team in. So I think it, yeah. I think it pretty much stays status quo for the most part. Yeah, I mean, but it, it makes sense to me why they would have the most interest. Like, Yeah, you just I, need that third know. team. They are trying to become a decent team because they have not had a lot of decent teams in their recent history. I would say semi, you know, going pretty far back to like KG, they have not had very good teams. And Ben would be a very helpful player for them in the regular season. There's yep. there's no doubt about that. Yep. That one, the one Jimmy year uh, before it exploded, they, they make the playoffs that year. Yeah. They made the playoffs that year. Um, uh, other than that, it has been a lot like Sacramento there in Minnesota. So yeah, they would certainly, certainly benefit from Simmons' addition. Um, not sure I have too much else on the table here. Uh, uh, We're finally getting going this week. Yeah, no, we've got media day on Monday, training camp on Tuesday. We will have in person too. I How mean, about that. Hopefully, hopefully we have something other than Ben to talk about. I gosh, I just hope we get there on on Tuesday and. Tyrese is tearing it up so we can uh, at least pretend that those sort of environments that we get to watch, which is mostly shooting drills or coming off of screens that aren't even really screens without defenders. We can overrate those. Maybe we get like 10 (laughs) minutes of a scrimmage that we get to watch some weave drills. Just give me something, 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 please, 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 please. I want to talk about almost quite literally anything else, but, uh, well, especially because I, I mean, I haven't been at the practice facility since like, February March, twenty well, March February. they were on a road trip so yeah it's probably maybe early March twenty twenty it's been a it's been a minute yeah so you know it'll be nice to get back to Camden maybe there will be some fans booing Ben Simmons <laughs> although although it is it's a little it's a little hard to boo people in 
in an indoor practice facility that is gated off from the public and you need to be like a media member. To yeah. Even well, look, you're, you're not getting anywhere near inside. You're not getting anywhere near where they park. Theoretically, I guess you could like, like block stand on a the street, street in yeah. Camden, but like, yeah, I don't, I don't think anybody's doing and that. I don't think so either. No, uh, nope, 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 nope. All right. So I think that's probably a good place to cut it off there. Thank you, Rich, for jumping on. And we will talk about Ben Simmons soon. See you this week when we talk about Ben some more. <laughs> yeah.